Minimalists. <laughs> well, as you already know, uh, you're here to see the minimalists. So am I. Uh, so uh, in the spirit of that, this is a song that you may recognize here. Anybody know what it is? There's some good advice in here. I wish I wrote it. I didn't. It's a man named Peter Durant. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding you greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have All that you reach for and all that you grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes away Oh, tear your Every little thing sparkles and shines Every little thing that sparkles and shines It's driving you sweet out of your mind But I bet that you'd be fine Without it So tear your eyes away Oh, tear your eyes Away Ladies and gentlemen, the minimalists. Canyon City, ladies and gentlemen. Man, do we have a special night planned for tonight. Oh, it has been four, almost five years since we've been back here in Kentucky, and it's so good to be back. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's like a blast from the past today. My, my brother's here tonight. My sister here is here tonight. Yeah, you know, and yeah. They, you know, they come down from Ohio. So we grew up, you go right up 71 a little bit, and we're right up, right up the road. The same humidity, just, uh, you know, across the Mason-Dixon line. And, um, and then tonight, we were doing this little uh, pre-show meetup, Q&A, upstairs. And, like, I'm giving this impassioned talk, and I feel like I'm doing really well. And then I turn around, and I see my boss, the first person who ever hired me and brought me into telecom. And all of a sudden, I froze, like, am I late for a meeting or something? <laughs> 
Um, but it's, it's so great to see, like, and we were actually talking, he brought some pictures of me when I was 18. It was before I realized I had hair, so I had a shaved head, and I was wearing a suit that was too large for me, and I had maybe 60 pounds more on my body then. And um, I, as I was going through these mixes of emotions in my head, what I realized, just, just seeing Jeff there, was like, man, I couldn't be doing this right now if it weren't for everything that went wrong and everything that went right leading up to this moment. Like, when I, when I, when I first embraced the corporate world when I was 18 and then you came along a, a few years later, because misery loves company, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I was so introverted. And I'm still really, really introverted, but... I was forced to actually deal with people instead of just hiding behind a computer screen or whatever. And I think it made me a better person getting myself into a discomfort zone. And then backstage, we were just talking about, like, there are three things that I hate. Public speaking, crowds of people, and travel. And here we are. <laughs> and I do this for a living. Um, and, and what I realized is I don't actually hate those things, right? They make me extremely uncomfortable, but that place of discomfort is the place from which I grow. So I hope that you get something out of this tonight because I know that it helps me grow. It helps me shape the person I'm going to be in the future. And I know we're really grateful you decided to be here tonight. So what do you say we record a podcast this evening? Beautiful. I say we do it, Ryan. Let's do it. All right. Well, live from Louisville, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. And you're Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists, and we are live in Louisville. Man, Birmingham's going to be really jealous when they hear that. Uh, that was way more excitement. <laughs> we, we do have a special guest with us here tonight. We, we set out to do this, you know, last year we did a 50-city tour, and we wanted to do something more manageable this year, so we're on a three-city tour. <laughs> and it's the, the Simply Southern Tour. We were in Birmingham a couple nights ago, and now we're here in, in Louisville. And uh, we wanted to talk about money and minimalism. We wanted to do something a little bit different this time around. And so instead of Ryan and I just getting up here and like talking about our checking accounts or something, that'd get really boring if like Ryan showed you how to balance your checkbook this evening. God, that's about all I can do when it comes to finances. Like I really wish I was the finance guy. Like, you know, if you, if you had some money to invest, I wish people would be like, you know what? You need to talk to Ryan Nicodemus. He knows exactly what you should, I have no, I mean, I just do what, what experts uh, like we're about to bring on tell me to do. And it's so important to have experts like this in our lives. Yes, indeed. So without further ado, let's welcome to the stage. You, you probably know him as the author of Retire Inspired. He has a podcast by the same name. He has a new book coming out really soon as well. We're going to talk about that a little bit. It's called Everyday Millionaires, and I think you'll actually be surprised by some of the things he has to talk about with respect to money. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Chris Hogan. Yeah. 
Now, is it true that you were the wizard in The Wizard of Oz? Never. <laughs> um, so, I mean, because his voice is, is, well, his voice, I think we'll just shut up for most of the evening. But we do have, we do have a couple microphones here. Uh, we're going to have a, a brief conversation, but we're really here for you all. So we have a microphone here and a microphone here. There's a difference between these two microphones. This one, if you have questions about money, so maybe if you have questions about debt, or budgeting, or retirement, or savings, or investing. That's this microphone over here on your right, my left. And then this microphone over here. If you have a question about minimalism, or letting go, no, this one over here. Or Josh's hair, right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever you have a question about, miscellaneous questions for any of us, then this is the microphone to do that. So uh, feel free to, to come on up. We can form a line on, on the sides. And before we get to those questions, as you all line up, I just want to talk to Chris. First off, thank you for being here. And, and in your book, you, you have your most recent, or your first book, I should say, Retire Inspired, you, you talk about um, some of the common mistakes and myths when we think about retirement. What compelled you to start writing about about the topic of retirement? Yeah, thank you for the question. You know, the big thing for me was coaching people. I was sitting with people, everyday people, kneecap to kneecap, helping them with their money. Uh, I've been a part of Dave Ramsey's team for 13 years now. And, you know, really talking to people, everyone was making some assumptions. Uh, every, people were thinking that Social Security was going to be enough to save the day. They thought that, that would, they didn't have to worry about doing anything, that Social Security would take care of them. And then I would hear people saying, well, when I get to age 65, or when I get to 70, and I kept looking and I kept hearing these myths over and over again. And then I was like, someone's gotta do something. Like someone needs to tell people that retirement's not an age, it's a financial number. Someone needs to tell people that Social Security won't be enough for you to live your dream. And so I kept saying this over and over, and then I was in, you know, curling my hair one day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was shaving. People don't laugh. I'm bald by choice. I can grow all the hair I want in this section right here. But anyway, <laughs> but I, I kept thinking someone needs to do something. And I realized, you know what? I needed to be that somebody. I wanted to try to help. Yeah. And so, so what were some of those myths that you came across? I mean, uh, we often think that like, there was two things that I encountered. Um, I used to manage a large group of people. At one point I was a director of operations for 150 retail stores. And one of the things I know that I did right, because I did a lot of things wrong is I started saving for retirement early. Now I didn't start saving enough, but I started saving early, just kicking some money into a 401k, and I helped other people sign up for those 401k accounts as soon as they were onboarded with, uh, with our company. And, and in doing that, I, I saw a couple of excuses. One excuse was, I'm too old to start saving for retirement, which sounds crazy to me. Um, and the other excuse, which was even crazier, was, I'm too young, I'll get to that someday. Were those some of the excuses that you came across? Those are two of the biggest ones that, that I would hear. People would think it was too late for them because they didn't get started early. And so baby boomers are on down the line. And I kept explaining to them, no, no, you still have an opportunity to do something. You've got an opportunity to make new decisions today that will impact your dreams. And young people telling them, you know, they'd say, well, Chris, you know, that retirement stuff's for old people. And I'd say, it's not an age, it's a financial number. So getting them to understand your money has two best friends, time 
in compound interest. If your money gets to sit there in a 401k or a 403b with time and compound interest, that money will earn more money down the road. So if I can get young people started, right, and get people that are a little bit older to realize it's not too late, what you have is people are still able to chase their dreams. People are still able to have options for themselves. And that's what I want ultimately. I want people doing the things they want to do, not waking up to wake, work another 12 to 14 hour shift on a job they don't love. And now with this, with this new book that you have coming out, it, people, we have this weird misconception about the, the term millionaire. I'm personally not a millionaire. I hope to be one day. Um, and, and, but getting there doesn't mean you're making a million dollars a year. What are some of these misconceptions? And you, you've done the largest study now of millionaires across the country, and you realize that, oh, most millionaires are just normal people who made some really good decisions with their money year after year after year. No, you're right. I mean, and that's why we're titled the book Everyday Millionaires, because it's everyday people. It's not someone that's making a million dollars a year. This is someone that has a net worth. So we're talking net worth millionaires. So when you look at your assets minus your liabilities, at the end, you have an, a net worth of a million or more. And that can happen with you paying off your home. That can happen with you having a 401k or 403b. So it's the culmination of a lot of work. But there are myths surrounding it. Uh, people think, well, I've got to make a million dollar income. No, you don't. Uh, we've even found in our research that you don't even have to make a six-figure income. It's a matter of having a plan, being intentional. So again, I'm going back to coach people to help them to understand it's available, right? The American dream is still alive and it's available. We just have to move in the right direction and use the right tools. Yeah, uh, you are a great coach, man. What I really appreciate about uh, Retired Inspired is how you kept coming back to these football references. I mean, I, Josh is a basketball fan. I'm a huge football fan. So I, I, really, I really caught on to those. But, you know, my whole, my whole life, I've heard people say, you know, life is a game and, and treat it as a game. And, and I think I looked at that uh, in the competitive sense. And after, and, and I kind of like just shooed that advice away. Like, I'm not going to treat life like a game. I'm not going to try and be better than people. But when you started using those football references, what I realized is that you can treat life, you can treat your own life as if it is a bit of a game. Meaning, uh, when I think about what it takes to be a good football player, well, you've got to get to practice. Sometimes you've got to do two days. You've got to eat right. You gotta, there are all these little things you can do to be a really, really excellent football player. It's the same thing with our finances. There are all these small things and big things we can do to be great at our finances. And I think the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is, is when it comes to the stock market. In fact, my, my little sister, sorry I'm calling you out here, Olivia. Uh, earlier today, she was like, she, I, I was telling her about you, and I'm like, oh man, you're going to, because she's 22 years old, I'm like, man, you're going to love Chris, he's got great advice, he's, he's going to help you retire. She's like, you know, I've already, I've already started saving $15 out of my paycheck each week, and it goes right into a savings account. And I'm like, that's great, that is an awesome start. But can you tell her and anyone else why, why a savings account may not be the best place to park your money for retirement and why maybe you should invest in, uh, in, in, in an index fund, for example? Okay, so I, I love the fact that she's saving. That is a great thing, a great job. But what we want to do is we want that money to grow. Uh, it's just like if we put a pizza in the oven and we, turn, we, we don't turn the oven on, it's not going to cook. we got to get the oven preheated and get it going. And so I would say take that money and let's move it into something that's going to grow for you. Right Now, when you said stock market, I heard some people go, mm, you know, because if we don't understand it, we don't like using it. Right. 
So I want to help people look at the stock market totally different. I want you to think of a supermarket, right? You go to a supermarket, there are all kinds of things there you can buy. There are things that are good for you and there are things that are not so good for you, right? And so you think about that. I want you to look at the stock market the same way as you would the supermarket. The stock market has things that you can invest in that are good for you, but it all ha also has some things that are not so good. It turns out it's all based on our risk tolerance. Like watch this, can I, can I, can I mess with the audience for a minute? Absolutely. All right, you I all. Insist. Okay, here we go. Raise your hand if you always drive the speed limit. Okay, there are two hands up. Okay, two. We got a whole lot of people in this room. There's two hands up. Raise your hand if you drive five miles over the speed limit. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Raise your hand if you drive 10 miles over the speed limit. Okay, now this one's the one. Raise your hand if you drive, I don't wanna know how many miles over the speed limit. Okay, all right. Come on in, police, we got them. I ask that because it's just like the way we drive we also can invest the same way. It's based on how much risk we're willing to take. People that only drive five miles over the speed limit know there's a lower probability they'll get a ticket. Mm -hmm. 10 miles over, it depends on where you are, right? If you're on the interstate, you could be okay. If you're on a side street, you're gonna have a problem, right? <laughs> Those that are driving, I don't wanna know how many miles over the speed limit, you just need an envelope ready, right? <laughs> just go on and get ready to pay that ticket. Yeah. People invest the same way, and because we're wired and designed differently, there are things out there for you to invest in based on the way that you're wired. And so I want people to understand, you know, the stock market is a good thing. It can help us when you're investing the right way. Before we dive into some of these questions here, um, we hear this term all the time, and it drives me insane. Well, first off, sometimes we hear politicians refer to millionaires and billionaires as if that were the, the same thing. Um, and and uh, it's like saying thousandaires and millionaires. It's the same discrepancy, right? Um, why, why is this term millionaire so stigmatized these days as if like a person is evil because they've worked really hard all of their life to uh, achieve this certain level of comfort or, or wealth or the ability to give to other people? Uh, and and I, I think maybe we don't understand that like what you can also do with wealth is, is part of what is, I mean, yeah, you can buy nice things if you want to buy, and Ryan and I are, we're minimalist, but we're not against owning things, you know, we're wearing clothes right now, we, we, we drove a car here, you know, like, we own stuff, we just don't have excess stuff, but the money that we do make, we're able to use that to invest in other people or to, to invest in charity as well. Can you talk about the stigma behind this millionaire mindset? Yeah, a lot of people, they do. They, they make some assumptions about millionaires uh, that they had to cheat to be able to get their money, uh, that they inherited their money. Right, that's the way they got there. Or they had to go to an Ivy League school, or they had some luck in the way that they got there. And the reality is, is that everyday people are doing it the everyday way, where they're getting themselves out of debt. They're investing, they're allowing time and compound interest to grow their money. They're staying focused, right? They're not allowing their wants to get in the way of their needs. Or if they do, they do it with cash. So there are a lot of stigmas out there, but I really appreciate you hitting on, to me, the most important thing. There are a lot of charities out there that I believe in. There are a lot of things out there, people that I want to help, our uh, veterans, um, uh, people like that, single moms. I'm the product of a single parent. Um, so my heart goes out to a lot of those areas. Uh, but I, in order to be able to help, I have to have the ability. And this is gonna sound weird, but I want you to hear the heart behind it. Broke people can't help other people. 
And so if there is some kids you want to help to feed, if there are some charities that you believe in because you know what they stand for, uh, I'm the father of a special needs boy, my youngest son, and he's had some serious medical issues. And we've met other families that are walking through tough situations. But in order for, to be able to help people, I have to be in a position to do that. And I'm talking monetarily. We also have to be in a position to be able to help with our time and our talent. Those are other ways that we're able to give. And so what we have to do is make some decisions. We've got to take a stand for some things and then really start to go down that path. You, you know, it's interesting. As everyone here tonight, I mean, you, you all, for, for those of you who know about me and Ryan, uh, how many of you have never seen us live before? Oh, wow. wow. Well, welcome to our cult. <laughs> um, <clears throat> lock the doors, podcast, Sean. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm in a cult? <laughs> I have news for you, Ryan. You're leading the cult. <laughs> this is how it always works. No, um... Ryan and I are debt free. We've been debt free. But here's the thing: like we were in the corporate world, I made really good money. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, very thank much. you. Um, I made really good money in the corporate world, but I spent even better money. And so there was a point at, at the sort of apex where I made a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. But of course, I had the big suburban house with more toilets than people. I didn't actually own the house. I just, you know, I. I paid the bank on this 30-year mortgage that I had. I had the closets full of designer clothes. I had uh, the luxury cars, plural. I had more than one Lexus. I don't know what the plural for Lexus is. I'm pretty sure it's Lexi. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so I had, all, I had accumulated all of these things that made me look rich, but I was broke, man. And it got to a point where I wasn't just broke, I was broken because I realized like the person I wanted to become, the person who was contributing to a community, the person who was helping other people, the person who was living a life that aligned with his values, I wasn't that person. In fact, I was getting farther away from that person because I was spending money I, I, I didn't have on things I didn't need to impress people I didn't even know. And in doing that, I realized I needed to, to make a change. And it meant simplifying my life. It meant make, making some sacrifices in my life. It meant delivering pizzas for a while to pay off some debt, even though I was in the corporate world. Um, it, it meant doing some things that I was not comfortable with doing so that I could eventually live the life I wanted to lead. And, and now that you know, we go out on tour and you all paid money to get in here tonight, and if I wasn't debt free, if I didn't have that foundation, then I couldn't say this next thing is 100% of the profits from this tour are going to build a grocery store in West Dayton. We're from, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So we're from right up the street, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, it's the overdose capital of America. And the west side doesn't have a single grocery store. There's a million people in the metro area, a couple hundred thousand people in the city. The entire west side of the city is a food desert. Uh, second hungriest city for families with children. And ever since uh, 2008, they have not had a grocery store on the west side. And we're trying to help change that. But if I had massive amounts of debt, I mean, the thing I would have to do right now is, well, you all paid some money, and so I'm going to go pay off that debt, and that would be completely acceptable. But now that I'm debt-free, I have some options that I can do with that money. I love the word options. I do. I really do. Because no one wants to be limited. We all want options. We want choices. We want to make some decisions about things for ourselves. We want decisions and options for our food, for the things that we drink. How about for your dreams? 
We, want, we need to have those options as well. I was in your camp. I'm a former banker. Uh, my income would rise each year, but guess what? So would my stupidity. <laughs> no, I'm serious, you all. I would do it. I would just, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get serious when I make more money. And I'd make money, and I got more serious. I got so mad. I got my, my W-2 one year, right? And I look at it, and I go, this amount of money came through my hands. And I was like, where did it go? I got mad. I went out and got my car. I was like, I'm going to go find my money. No, I'm serious. I was so irritated, right? And I drove by the mall, and I was like, well, someone in there. And it was a sporting goods store and restaurants, and I realized I took my money, and I made it their money because I had a problem. I didn't have limits. I didn't understand my goals. I'm a hard worker, but at some point, you have to realize your hard work alone won't get you there. You need a plan that actually will work. And so it's so important for us to have that awareness, but then to make those adjustments. You know, debt is a thief. It steals. It steals from you now, and it steals from you later, if you start to think about that. And so I want more people to have more of their dreams that they're living. I don't want you to go work for Visa or Discover or American Express or any of those other people, because here was my wake-up call. If something happened to one of my children, Visa, American Express, and all the rest of them, none of them would care enough about me to come and help me. They take. That's a one-sided relationship. So that's not a good thing. So I had that wake-up call and a perspective change for myself. So much so, I sacrificed the motorcycle. <laughs> I, I'm uh -oh. so glad you brought that up, man. So, so t tell them about how sometimes there are things in our life that we really want and we want this other thing also. But it doesn't always work out that way. No, it really doesn't. I think we set ourselves up for frustration and irritation when we try to accomplish too much. When you try to keep doing what you're doing and get better, it's one of those things where you look and you go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm driving myself crazy. I'm stealing my own joy. I need to understand I've got to stop some things so I can start doing some things that are better for me as well as my family. And so I was uh, showing pictures to my boys. I have three sons. I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And uh, they're why I have this gray hair in my beard. Um, but I was showing them pictures. My, my two youngest, I showed them pictures of motorcycles. They, they didn't believe that I had one. They think daddy was just, you know, they think I'm old, right? I can't be cool. I didn't have a motorcycle. So I was showing them. I go, no, guys, this is the one. And they said, well, what happened? I said, well, I made your mother a promise that when we had our first child, that's Tyson, that I'd sell the motorcycle. So Ty comes in 10 minutes later. He goes, what are you all doing? Now, my middle boy's wired like his daddy. So he's kind of direct, right? And so Brock says, we're looking at the motorcycle dad used to have. And Ty said, well, why don't you have it anymore? And Brock said, you, you are the cause, right? And I was like, that's true. That is true. And then I had to let him know. No, I explained to him. I made a sacrifice. I sold it so I could attack those last two credit cards. I made a sacrifice. I made a choice. And it was one of those things where it was a grow-up moment for me to realize. I know hard work pays off, right? But I also have to be thinking forward and I've got to understand what am I willing to stop so I can start some things but what am I willing to give up so I can gain some better things yeah, absolutely and I think sometimes we have to untether from that past and that means sometimes untethering temporarily from the good things and it's it's, it's a temporary deprivation what you're not talking about is you need to deprive yourself for the rest of your life from any sort of pleasure no, it means hey maybe maybe I've been spending money that hasn't been mine all along and I need to fix that if I want to actually get control of this thing called finances. Yeah, so, so 
When, when we have questions tonight, I mean, I don't see anyone lined up yet, so here's what happens. It's going to be the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> You're all going to have wasted your money. Now, someone has to break the seal. That's how this works tonight. I mean, not literally, hopefully. But uh, come on up to the mic, and uh, we've got some questions here, and, and I know Chris has some answers. Howdy. Hi, y'all. What's your name? My name is Muggsy. Muggsy, where are you from? Uh... I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I love y'all. Oh, thank you. Really Thanks for coming do. down. We love and you, too. I love the word y'all. <laughs> and honestly, I could have spoken on either microphone because my question is uh, kind of combines minimalism and my retirement dream. And um, so here's, here's the deal. So... Uh, Chris, um, I had my dream date with my husband when I was in my 30s, and, and we kept that going in our 40s and in our 50s, but now I'm closer to 60, and um, I find myself, uh, I'm divorced after 31 years, and so I'm all alone. So my dream date and my dream for retirement kind of changed a little bit. So here's my, here's my dilemma. So I'm a minimalist and uh, uh, my, my kiddos are too. I have two adult children, one who's close to your guys' age and my daughter who's here, who's in her late 20s. And uh, they really, you know, they know mom is like really happy and everything is good with minimalism. So here's my two options. So originally, uh, we were going to retire in 2020. I could retire in, in October of 2020, which you know, is not that far away. And I'm a minimalist, and based on my budget, I could retire and be good. But Chris, I wanna leave a legacy. Hmm. And I wanna, I wanna build up my nest egg. And, um, and my kids are like, mom, go, you know, we don't need your money, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I just want your feedback on my two options. You know, I could go out early, but, but my why, like when I wake up in the morning, is them. Yes. Wow. Um, first of all, congratulations on you putting yourself in a position. I'm proud of you, okay? Um, the way you were just speaking with passion, if you live halfway as passionate as you were just talking, I already know what you've deposited in your children. Um, legacy is not just about money. It's the way we live. It's how we love people and see them. So I know you've made deposits there. I think what your kids are telling you is, Mama, you've raised us well enough we don't need your money. We don't need a set dollar amount. They love you enough that they want to see you happy. And so I think what you have to do is really start to make some decisions and really step back and look at your legacy, that, that what they're already doing and how they're living. And I think you've got to do something that a lot of people struggle with is you've got to start to put you first. You've sacrificed, you've done some stuff. Now let's get back to your dream. What makes you happy? and really look at your options and make some decisions. If 2020 is the time that you can do that, you start to think about what's next for you. What are you gonna do? We fear the unknown. So having a plan for that, because it's easy to keep working because that's what we know. 
But now you start to look and think, what do I want to do? Where are the places I want to travel? What are the, the mission trips I want to take? The family I want to go see? Thinking about those things, now it'll demystify that new shift for you and you're able to move forward. How are we supposed to follow that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, right? Um, before, before the podcast, Ryan's like, why do you keep bringing these smart people on? <laughs> it's like, you realize it makes us look bad, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm well, kidding. Let, let, me, let me tell you uh, just a quick story. When I was, I was three years old, living on Green Street in Dayton, Ohio, and um, a neighbor asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? Essentially, what is your dream, right? And I was three, and so I said, I want to be a ninja or an alligator, So we did both. <laughs> I think the lesson from that story is that sometimes our dreams change over time, right? And we're able to reframe those dreams. I, I didn't accomplish either one of those. Um, but um, it has shifted quite a few times since then. And sometimes it's a radical change. Sometimes it's a pivot in just five degrees one way. But guess what happens when you pivot five degrees? That dream changes just a little bit. Because for you, legacy may have, may have meant one thing. But legacy doesn't, like, like Chris said, legacy doesn't just mean I'm going to leave some money for my kids. That's not a legacy. That's a trust fund. Uh, legacy means I instilled some values in my children. I invested in them in other ways, and I'm leaving a legacy. By the way, there's other ways to leave a legacy, not with just your children or your loved ones, but with your community. And, and, and I can tell you that one of the things that I've been freed up to do now is invest in a community and invest in other people. And I think your dream is going to pivot five degrees, but a year from now, that five degrees is going to put you in a different destination. Two years from now, five years from now, you're gonna be in a completely different place because legacy is gonna mean something different to you. Yeah, and I wanna talk about something that, that Chris helped me to, uh, to kind of push out the age that I wanted to retire. I mean, I didn't really have a set age. It, it, you know, I just always assume like, yes, I will uh, one day have enough money to retire, and when that age hits, like that's when I will retire. Maybe I'll be 55, maybe I'll be 65. But Chris talks a lot about free money. And when, when I think about uh, Retired Inspired and about the, how Social Security works, so w uh, what age is it you can start collecting Social Security? 100% of it. It's at 65? 65, yeah. 65 yes. years old. So you're not going to be 65 in, in, uh, in, in 2020. Um, but if you waited until you were 65, you, you could collect 100% of that. And then the, what happens at... Now, ahead. if you wait till 70, mm -hmm. it goes up to 120%. That sounds like free money to me. Right. It is. It's a, it's a great option. But, you know, I want to go back to the whole the decision. My grandparents did not leave me a lot of money. Uh, but those were two of the, the best people I've known on this planet. And we spent a lot of time. We hung out. Uh, and the legacy they left inside of me is the way that I view people, how I care about them, and how I just, I want to help as many people as possible. So your legacy is bigger. Yeah, it's okay to leave them some money. Uh, but more importantly, it's what you said, the values, the way they see you, the way you've treated them, and the way they treat others. So it's big. So I think you've got a lot of opportunity ahead of you. And I want you to grab it with both hands and live life to the fullest. Thanks for your question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
you know, real quick, she mentioned something that I just want to encourage people to do. She mentioned the dream date. Um, I encourage people, if you're married, to sit down together and talk about your ideas for the future. What do you want for the kids? What do you want for each other? Because we don't talk about our dreams. We get so busy living life day to day that we forget. And our dreams can motivate us. So I don't care if you're single, newly single, or married. Thinking about the things you'd love to do in the future, if it's mission trips, spending time with family, travel, whatever that is, I want people to start to tap into that because that will motivate us to start to take the steps we need to for our future. And it's going to help you get there because you're going to get on the same page. And if you're not on the same page, you're going to start, if you're traveling in different directions, you're never going to get to the same destination. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? I'm a Camber, I'm born and raised in Louisville. Um, my question is, uh, um, I'm doing okay, I'm 28, and I've got a, finally got a job that's going somewhere. I've got a 401k with a company, and uh, you know, I'm doing okay right now, but um, I'm also in that stage where I'm trying to jettison myself into the next stage of life, you know, marriage, kids, house, stuff like that. And I'm wondering what's the best way to juggle trying to get myself to the next stage as well as saving for retirement and also how you know whether, you're, whether or not you're secure enough to financially to go into the next stage. Okay, thank you for that question. You know, too often times we try to do too many things at once and we end up getting frustrated, right? How many of you remember the Atkins diet? You remember that? You could eat a side of beef, but you couldn't have one potato chip, right? <laughs> now, I was on that diet for about, hold on, about two and a half hours uh, and lost my mind, right? I did. I grabbed a bag of Doritos and just demolished them, right? Because I was trying to do stuff. So my, my, my answer to you is this. Instead of trying to do nine things at once, I want us to do one step at a time. That's why I talk about Dave Ramsey's baby steps. And so where, that's where, again, real quick, baby step number one, you save $1,000. You get that in place, why? Because then you can stop using debt for later. Baby step two's the big boy. This is where you're gonna list out your debt, smallest to biggest, and I want you to attack the little one first, right? Because getting out of debt isn't about math, it's about momentum. So once you pay off that debt, and it can take 18 to 24 months once you attack that, but once you get that done, now I want you to move to baby step three, which is save up a three to six months emergency fund. This is gonna give you a cushion in your life, so if you have job loss, sickness, or whatever, you know you've got money sitting there. Once you do that, then I encourage people to start to invest, right? So baby step four is investing 15% of your household income. Baby step five is starting to save for college. Baby step six is attacking and paying off the house. And baby step seven is build wealth and give. And so I'm giving you this roadmap. This is the thing we've helped millions of families walk through. So instead of trying to do everything, I'd love for you to follow that linear path. So now you can start to gauge where you are and what's next. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Great I, question. I think the biggest part to this formula, too, that you have laid out is budgeting. Uh, Josh and I, we just uh, we were uh, meeting with Anthony O'Neill. We're here with Chris. We're going to be with Rachel Cruz in a couple days. And I've been reading all these financial books, and there's one common thing I see in every single book is you have to have a strict budget if you want to feel safe with where your money's going. Uh, do you have a budget right now? Not at all. Okay, that's okay. That's all right. But, but start with that budget because then you can start to allocate those dollars every month if you want to save for a house, if you want to save for a wedding. To, to, well, before you start saving for a house or wedding, pay off those debts, like Chris said. But, but that budget is such a powerful tool. I, I, uh, I, I budgeted uh, to get debt-free 
And then as soon as I became debt free, I got to admit, man, like the budget kind of fell by the wayside. Like I really uh, d- just was like, you know what? I don't have any more debts. I don't have to be that strict with it. Then I moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> and, you know, after living there for almost a year, uh, talking to Mariah, I'm like, we got to get, and after reading these books, I'm like, we have to get back on a budget. Like this, this is really important for us. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is because my experience with the budget just over the last couple months that we've been, we've been using it, it has dramatically changed my spending habits to the point where if I'm you know, on my way walking to work and I wanna you know, stop at the corner store and, and grab a sparkling water or something, it's, you know, it's just my old attitude was, it's just three bucks. I'm just gonna go on there, I'm gonna put, it, you know, put $3 down, grab my water and get out of there. Well, now I've gotta go in there, I've gotta take that $3 that I've already allocated to something, I gotta spend it, then I gotta go into my every dollar app and I gotta, en- I gotta enter in that $3 that I spent. And by the time I go through that process in my head, I'm like, eh, I'll just get some water when I get to work. I'll just drink some tap water. <laughs> like, this is way too big of a pain in the butt. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. What do you want? Uh, security more than anything else. Yeah, I, I, think, I think all of us want security. I think it's a, I think it's a human need. Why, why do you want it? There's too many unknowns out there and I'd rather control what I can. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the problem with that though is in addition to wanting security, you also want variety and uniqueness, right? You want an experience that is different from everyone else's while also having the security that everyone else has, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We want to drive 100 miles over the speed limit without our seatbelt on but be okay. And the truth is, yeah, you, you can drive fast, but you better have a, you know, a, a plan. You, know, you better have that seatbelt in, in order, in order to, to survive. The reason I'm asking you, what do you want? I, I think you want to get really clear on, on what you want. But I think you want to get even clearer on why you want it. And, and I'll just give you an example from my own life. I, um, I grew up really poor. So uh, you know, just, it, we just didn't have any money, right? And, and growing up in, in that environment, I, I thought the answer to, the reason we were unhappy is because we didn't have money. And so when I turned 18, I went out and I got that entry level corporate job. Thanks, Jeff. And um, I spent the next you know, decade, uh, 12 years climbing the corporate ladder. Because I, I thought that's what I wanted. And it is what I wanted, but I didn't know why I wanted that. I thought I wanted a six-figure salary. Nothing wrong with making six figures, but I didn't say why I wanted it. Was it so I could look like everyone else? Was it so I could be secure, or was it just ostensibly secure? And so get really clear on what you want and even clearer on why you want it, and that will give you the leverage to make whatever changes you need to make in your life. Uh, and, And get on the same page with your spouse. You know, be, run in two separate contests. Uh, when you get in the boat together and you start rowing in the same direction, you go much faster. Uh, so really get in tune with what it is she wants and why, and then be able to talk about yours. That way, I'll, I'll tell you this, we, we need to learn to speak French, right? And I know some of you are thinking, Chris, I took Spanish, what are you talking about? No, I mean, we need to speak we if you're married. <laughs> Like too many of us say me or I, I want or I want or I deserve, I, I, I. 
That's the wrong spirit. If you're a family, you're a team, so it needs to be we. What's, I know we have individual wants, but what do we need for the family? What do we need to do to be able to move forward? And it's a uniting force that helps you move forward. Thank you very much. That's your question. Thank you. All right, Ryan, do you know what time it is? It is time for the Minimalist's lightning round where we answer questions from social media. So we're going to get out our cell phones right now. And... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to start tweeting. <laughs> no, um, actually, we usually answer questions from social media. And if you want to follow us there, if you're following along at home, we're at the Minimalists on social media, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And wherever Jessica is, she's somewhere around here. She's live tweeting the event. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams, wherever you are. Oh, she's way up there. Princess Jessica. Uh, she's the reason our social media looks so beautiful. And so during the lightning round, Chris, this is where Ryan and I usually work hard over the course of a week to craft a perfect tweetable answer. But we don't have a week. And so what we'll do is we'll just ramble on a bit and eventually we'll have something that someone can tweet. Hopefully Jess will tweet it by the end. So we'll, we'll do some money questions and then eventually we'll, we'll get over to the side. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? Corinne, I'm from California. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Corinne. Did you come all the way out here just to see us in Louisville? Yeah, overnight flight. That's crazy. Right here. <laughs> no, I've been living here. Um, my question. Uh, Was that for, enthusiasm? Thanks for the clarification. Was that I don't. I don't know. I don't. Um, sorry. My question is weirdly financial specific, but maybe it'll help other people. I was wondering how you felt about a 401k versus a Roth IRA. Because in my opinion, it seems like the Roth is more flexible. So if an emergency were to happen or something comes up in your life where you suddenly need money, that you could take it out of the Roth. But I kind of see that as a negative thing as well because it's kind of dangerous playing with your retirement. Those are both bad for emergencies. <laughs> the answer is neither of those are good for emergencies. Seriously. I, I mean, the, the, uh, Which is why you have the emergency fund. Exactly. Right. But going back to your question, the difference between the two, whenever you all hear Roth, I want you to start to get a tingly, all right? Because Roth means you use after-tax dollars. So all the money that happens, all the growth that happens, happens tax-free. The government can't touch it again, all right? So a Roth 401k, Roth IRA, that's all post-tax dollars. You've already paid taxes on the money, so now you're gonna have tax-free growth. That's the beauty of that. A 401k is pre-tax, meaning it's taken out before you ever get your paycheck. So we have to pay taxes on our 401k later when we start to take the money out at age 59 and a half. So here's another thing. With Roth IRAs, you can only put in $5,500 per year if you're under the age of 50. But if you're over the age of 50, you can do an extra thousand. So you could do 6,500. But a 401k, you can hit at 24,000. So I like to say this, I love Roth, I love to utilize Roth, but 401k also has a great place because it allows you to put more money away. So I encourage people to utilize both. Start with your 401k, again, investing 15% of your household income, and then utilize Roth IRA also. Uh, but you may have an opportunity on your job to do what's called a Roth 401k, which again is a great opportunity. So. Both of those are good for investing. I would encourage 401k first, then Roth IRA, but don't pull money out for anything. Have an emergency fund for that. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think that's the, the pithy answer from all of us here is don't use your retirement to fund your emergency. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, uh, I was I was admitting all my financial mistakes to Chris. You were uh, confessing. That's <laughs> what it was. That yeah, was I, confession. I was confessing because yeah, because yeah. what I did in an emergency situation. So I uh, uh, got my first tuition, you know, payback. I got that first bill in the mail, and I was very very broke at the time. And I was looking at this bill, this like you know twenty something thousand dollar, almost thirty thousand dollar bill, and I'm like. How in the heck am I ever going to pay this off? Even making the payments was a bit stressful. The payments were like two or 300 bucks a month. That was stressful. So what I did is I looked into my 401k and I'm like, I got 45,000 bucks in here. I could just use this to pay off my student loans. I did, but how much money do you think I gave up? With a $35,000 401k, it was $15,000 off the top. And yeah, go, go for do it. you want to know what it would be worth today? I, I, I do because I want people to learn from my mistake, Chris. I don't think you want to know. Tell me. I mean, you look at that, you know, you have almost a 50% reduction, mm-hmm. right? Right off the, right off the top. Yeah. Then you get hit with the taxes on the money that you got. Uh, and looking at that, how much did you tell me it was? Uh, the uh, 35? It was, 30, it was 35,000. 35,000 was in there. And how many years ago was this? This was back in 2012. 2012, we're in 2018 now, so six years. That 40 average rate, you probably would be hovering at close to around $200,000, $225,000 right now. Oh my God, that hurts so bad. I take it back, I did not want you to tell me that. (laughs) I asked. No. You know what though, I mean, you know what though, I think this is a good example though, um, because you talk a lot about this, how we, we should not beat ourselves up over these mistakes. Listen, we have all made money mistakes. Can, we, can I take a poll? Raise your hand if you've ever done something stupid with money. Okay, <laughs> welcome to the human race. We've all been there, we've all done it. What we can't do though is keep beating ourselves up, right? If you, if you do something once or twice, we can call it a mistake. You start to do it four or five times, now it's not a mistake, it's called a choice. So what we have to do is start to make better choices. And we've got to let go of those mistakes. We can all be there and we've done it. Let's just decide and choose to be better. Let's choose to move forward. Let go of the past. And that's how you grow forward. Yeah, man. It reminds me of another, uh, another football analogy you gave in your book. It's, you know, good players, they don't complain. They make good plays. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they don't make it. Why do you keep bringing up football? I love football, man. I played ping pong in college. <laughs> Did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for your question. Thank you. Hello. We got three more questions in this line, then we'll get over to this one, I promise. So we're going to cut this one off here. We'll try to get through these relatively quickly. We'll, we'll make it the lightning round a bit. Oh, yeah, I forgot we were in the lightning oh, yeah. round. That's right. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? I'm Ariel, and I'm from New Albany. Oh, it's across the right river. across the river. Quills where, Coffee. Where Quills is from, I was going to yes. say. Um, so my question has to do with my job. Um, so February last year, I had a nervous breakdown, and actually, how I got through it that day was watching your all's documentary on repeat. I watched it probably six times that first day, and like that was the only thing that calmed me down. Wow! Um, this is the this is the best compliment. Like <laughs> seriously, thank you so much. I'm I'm so glad that we could do something for you in such a hard time. That's why Josh. This is why Josh and I do it. I mean, I'm so glad that you all are here, but that's why we do it. And, and, and the whole reason that happened was something fell out of my fridge and I couldn't get uh, the fire stick to work. 
<laughs> my house was so messy. I've been a single mom um, like for six years and my job was really bad and I just like I couldn't take anything anymore. So just there's just crap everywhere all over the house and then I just kind of like lost my crap there. Wow. But anyway, so I took two weeks off of work to kind of work things out. I started giving stuff away and started downsizing and then I went back to work and I lost my job. So then I was, had a marketing job. I was making a lot more money than I realized I was making because of how much I was spending. Um, and then when I found out I had no income, I like started just doing favors for people, you know, mowing yards and uh, power washing, doing all kinds of like crazy stuff to make money. Bravo. Be because I didn't want to go back to serving because um, my family makes me feel like it's less than because I have a college degree, I had a grown up job. Like finally, like I was like a good example for my daughter and then going back to serving is just not good enough. So then I spent this last year doing serving and then I f got another marketing job and I'm just like, every day I go to work, I'm just really unhappy. And the place I work for is wonderful, but I just sit there and I'm like, I don't wanna do this. I don't want to write Facebook posts for this stupid uh, building inspector. And I just, I like being with people and I like doing that stuff. And I like, um, my husband and I, we just got married last month and um, we bought- Congratulations. A, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but, we bought a house in October, and so like we have our kids, we have our house, we have all that stuff, and um, he plays in a band, and we do all these different things, these different side jobs where we make money that we really enjoy doing, but like this job job I have just makes me miserable. And so we've talked about since we started dating, like, hey, let's make t-shirts, let's, let's DJ weddings, let's do all this stuff like full time, but my parents make me feel like garbage because I have a college degree and I'm not a stupid person. How, how much debt do you have? None. No. <sighs> Why are you still there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that was the thing, like I had all this savings like built up and then when I lost my job, I had to use my savings to pay my bills, but I still don't have any debt. Uh, here's here's, here's my pithy answer. How miserable are you willing to be to impress the people around you? <laughs> Talk to my grandma. <sighs> to, you know, my, my pithy answer would be other people's expectations, well, they're just that. It's their expectations. Yeah. Do not let other people's expectations ruin your life. If your family loves you, if they truly love you, then they want you to be happy. And if they want you to be happy, they will support you. And the people in your life who don't support you and who don't want you to be happy and they want you to live up to their expectations and can care less about your own, you have to love those people from a distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want you, I mean, that's great. That's absolutely. I, I, I would tell you this, opinions are like yesterday's. Everyone has them. You get to make choices for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to put up a guard around your heart and you and your husband start to talk about what's moving forward for you all. And I want you to let people know information about what's going on, but don't accept their advice. Meaning they don't get a vote. If you don't have a foot in that household where you and your husband are, they don't have a vote anymore. You can love them, like you said, at a distance, but don't let them, don't let them in your heart anymore. Have, put a guard around your inner circle and be careful, and you go live your life and let them live theirs. Absolutely, I, and you know, yeah. I was just gonna say, I don't want you to think that we're coming across as cold. We're not telling you to be cold towards your family. Have the conversation with them. Hey, mom, hey grandma, you love me, don't you? 
Well, of course I love you. Yeah, I love you too, Grams. Hey, don't, don't you want me to be happy? I, I know that I want you to be happy. Of course I want you to be happy. Man, Grams, you know what? I really need some support in order to be happy. I need your support. And here's how I need it. Would you be willing to give me support? I mean, have that conversation first. But ultimately, yes. If, if you have that conversation, you've gone out of your way to pour your heart out and ask for support and people aren't willing to support you, you do have to put up a little bit of a guard so you and not just you, but your family can live a really, really happy, meaningful life. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so yes, much. Howdy, what's your name, where are you from? Samuel, I just moved to Louisville actually like three weeks ago. Chris, a couple of questions. You uh, got that thick Kentucky accent. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've been working on it. <laughs> you can move that mic up a little bit. Um, do you consider a house liability or an asset? And for a guy who moves for his job every two or three years, mm -hmm. is it really worth it or a smart idea for me to consider buying or just continue renting? Every time I come close mm. to the idea, some people change my mind, no, go ahead, and like just continue renting, and I've been doing this for quite some time. Okay, great, this is a lightning round. Uh, so, a house, do I consider it an asset or a liability? Uh, if, you, if you look at it, homes appreciate, and if you're paying it and attacking the debt, I look at a home as an asset. Okay, if you're taking on a debt and 30 year mortgage and you're only making the minimum payment and it's just hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, then it's a potential liability. Uh, with you moving your job every two to three years, that's going to, you buying a home is gonna be a challenge. So I would say renting does not throw away money, it allows you to save up so you can buy a home the right way someday. So you would have to really be careful. Uh, renting to me sounds like the best way to go. Otherwise you could move a couple of times and have two houses on the market that haven't sold. Yeah, it, to me, because you are so unsure right now, I would say continue to rent because right now you're paying for the freedom to be able to walk away and that is huge. So, but here's my pithy answer is, you absolutely should buy a house if you can afford it. And what that means, 20% down on a 10 year, maybe 15 year loan. If you can't do that, then you can't afford to buy a house. And also, I think, just think uh, to echo what Chris said, uh, the cost associated with moving every few years and the closing cost probably isn't going to be worth it with, if you're moving every two or three years. I know people will tell you that you're throwing your money away, but it sounds to me that they don't really understand the, the, the buying process then because you know, there are, there, I believe it's, it's two countries where the standard, there's 193 countries in the world, the standard is this 30-year mortgage, right? Now, of course, dozens of other countries have piled on because they want their chunk of the so-called American dream, which is 30 years of debt. And, and, and so there are a lot of other countries now that are offering these 30-year these mortgages, but I, I think that's not a, a, a route you obviously want to take. And here's another thing, when you get tired of all that moving and you wanna get stable, it might be time to look at another career, right? Start to see those options that allow you to be still a little bit longer. And you're right, renting is not throwing away money, it helps you save up time. Guys, do you know there are 40-year mortgages out there now? What a bargain. Oh my God. That makes me <laughs> 40 sick. 40 and 50 years start out on the West Coast and it's starting to move this direction. No. Yeah, in the next four to five years, we'll start to see them a lot more. Wow. I mean, it, it makes me think, and you're seeing this with cars now too, some of the car loans where it's 85 months. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, and, and of course, you're buying a car every few years when you're doing those types of things as opposed to owning a car. I mean, with a car, you know, I, I would never want to, to go into debt to, to own a, the thing that takes me to work so I can pay for the thing that takes me to work. 
It's a depreciating asset. Yes. That's right. Don't do it. Pay Thanks cash. so much for your question. Thanks, Thank you, my Appreciate friend. Appreciate you. All right, one more lightning round question, and then we have three more questions over here we'll do for our postscript segment. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, my name is Carrie, and I'm from San Bernardino, California, and I flew in to see you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, My question to you, Chris, is can you overdo baby steps four and six? We are putting in 20%, my husband and I, into our retirement funds each, plus we're doubling or tripling our mortgage every month. Is there a downside? Wow. Um, okay, so you all are very, very focused, yeah. right? Um, and so to reiterate for everyone, baby step number four is investing, and I tell people 15%, okay? And then baby step six is where you're paying off the house, right? Look, he's got a shirt that says, not retired inspired yet. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. Oh, I, you all, we, we love oh, you, oh, you have shirts with my <laughs> initials on. <Yes. laughs> Maybe they didn't fly in to see y'all. Just don't say it for a minute. Just don't say it. I'm just going to put Dude, that out there. Why do you think Josh and I are here, man? It's to see you, brother. Hey, no. But seriously, yeah, can you overdo it? Making double and triple mortgage payments? You can. And I think you all are at a point where you just need to talk and look and say, hey, do we need to take some breathing room? Right? You all are moving in the right direction. And it might be that you all need to take that trip and pay cash and enjoy it and have some fun. Uh, but yeah, you can get too intense. And the problem with that is you can end up burning out or blowing out a tire later. And so let's drive the car just like a clutch. Let's know when to press the gas and when to let off a little bit. And you all know each other enough. How long have you been married? Oh, God. How long have we been married? <laughs> she looked to him. That's a long time. Y'all been married a while. Almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. Congratulations. But that's what I'd say. You all make those decisions together and and really start to look and enjoy life. You're moving forward. You're moving in the right direction. Stay the course. Yeah. All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And we're we're working on the minimalism thing, too, for those guys. Uh, Bravo. All right, y'all, if, if you're listening to this at home and you have a comment or a tip or even a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839, or you can send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's my favorite part of the show. At the very end, we air our listeners' comments and tips, and then we promptly steal your answers and reappropriate them later. So feel free to listen to the end of this episode for this week's comments and tips. And then we don't do any advertisements on this podcast because advertisements... Well, you know, Birmingham did that a little bit better. So let's let's try something different here, okay? This podcast is brought to you by nobody because advertisements... Yeah, most advertisements kind of suck, right? Um... And so uh, instead of doing advertisements for another mattress or sleep system or something, what we've decided to do is be 100% listener supported. So if you want to support us, you can do so over at theminimalists.com slash support. That helps pay for our podcast studio out in Los Angeles. And each week we do a postscript episode for all of our Patreon supporters over there. And it shows up in your regular podcast player. And so let's go ahead and record one of those postscript episodes in front of you all if you're open to that. Sean, this would be an appropriate time in the, in the edit to like insert the sample or the, the excerpt from this week's Postscript episode. 
if you do a good enough job helping people solve problems, you'll stop worrying about money as well. Because ultimately, that's what, that's what good businesses do. By the way, that's what, uh, I mean, we, we often joke about advertisement. Advertisements suck. Well, most marketing sucks too, but marketing, when marketing is done correctly, it means, here, let me help you with something, right? It's helping people solve problems. And I think some advertisements out there, very few, but there are some, even some advertisements that, that present a product or a service that helps solve a problem for people. The, 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 the problem with advertising now is we see 5,000 advertisements a day and you know, 4,500 of them are, are such manipulative nonsense that it makes it difficult for the other 500 um, and to, that really break through and that are inspirational, that, that change people. And Ryan and I don't personally do advertisements on, on what we do, but it doesn't mean that there aren't some that will actually help some people solve problems. So, I guess what I'm saying here is that no matter what you do, if it's business or just as an individual, if you find a way to continuously help people solve their problems, um, you're not trying to make money, but it, it, it will happen. Podcast John, I think that's a, it's a, a good place to end the postscript segment and go back to our, our regularly scheduled podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Podcast John, hiding in the shadows back there somewhere. Yeah. Sean is a minimalist with many hats. He is our podcast producer. He is our road manager, our tour manager, our bus driver, our director of operations. Book editor, essay editor. He's not, he's not very minimalist with hats. <laughs> yeah, Sean, we really appreciate you. Thank you yeah, so man. much. And uh, we'll move on to a segment. I'm going to skip order. I'm going to reverse orders here. We have a segment called Right Here, Right Now, where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. I already talked about this grocery store we're trying to build on the west side of Dayton. If you're listening to this at home, you can help out with that as well. I just turned 37, and I donated my 37th birthday. Instead of getting me an, uh, another tie clip that I don't need or some cufflinks, I figure some folks could donate $37 on my birthday. And if you want to give me that gift, I'd really appreciate it, because you can help feed some families, provide food to people who don't have access to good food. I mean, you can go to West Dayton right now and you can buy food. You can get Cheetos at the local, uh, at the local liquor store. Doritos, you... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the one that said it earlier, man. <laughs> but you can't get nutrition there in, uh, on the West Side and we want to help change that by providing good food, quality food for people who need it. And if you want to help out, just go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton. 100% of the profits uh, from tonight are going to go to that as well. So thank you all for being a part of that. Also, speaking of what's going on in the lives of The Minimalist, we are putting out our second documentary uh, with Matt Diavella that should be out later this year, but we're also focusing on a lot more short-form, meaningful video creations, and so we have a new team member, and he's here with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Moore is here on the cameras. Uh, we decided we, need, we needed a, a filmmaker to help us create more meaningful things. So video essays, obviously, the, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, we have a video version of the podcast we just started, so you can find that at 
theminimalists.com slash YouTube. And uh, you can find a bunch of other stuff we're going to do, a bunch of different shows, short form stuff, including uh, we just had Chris on Living Room Conversations. Uh, we do this little weekly thing now called Living Room Conversations that you can check out there on YouTube. All right, let's move on to the added value segment of the show. So we talk about some things that have added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what has added value to your life recently? Uh, we talked about Quills earlier. If you haven't been there, go to Quills. It's awesome coffee. Um, I got two more things. Uh, every dollar app. Uh, for who? All right, actually, I won't make you raise your hand. But there's other people besides that gentleman who does not have a budget right now. And I would highly encourage you get a. If you got money problems, the first thing you start with is a budget. I mean, when my mentoring students come to me and they're like, oh man, I'm in this heap of debt and, and, and I don't know where my money's going and, and I, I need you to help me kind of, you know, fix this situation I'm in, we might be 10 minutes into the call and I'll say, hey, look, you need to come up with a budget. This is step number one to getting out of money problems. After you have your budget, then let's talk more about your money problems. So there's an awesome app called Every Dollar. Uh, that I use, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great, great app that lets you keep track of every single dollar, dollar that you have. You set your, bu- your budget at the beginning of the month, and then every single purchase, you go in that app, and you put your expenses in there, and it is powerful when you do that. Uh, the other thing I'm going to recommend, uh, because uh, Chris is here with us, is Retired Inspired. It's, it's a wonderful book on how to retire. They know. They're, already, they're like, I, I am so impressed with, the, with what you all are doing. That is amazing that what you're able to save and, and, and pay off towards your mortgage. That is, that is incredible. Keep that up. But what I really appreciate, appreciate about your book the most, Chris, is that you could be 20 years old, you could be 60 years old, or anywhere in between. And you've got a device for people on how they can live their life, uh, live a good retired life. They really can. I mean, they have the opportunity to make the decision. So it's never too early to get started, and it's absolutely not too late. I don't care what you hear out there or in the news. It's not too late. Trust me, I'm seeing people get started and turn things around. Chris, I just want to acknowledge you. I think you're doing something special for the world. You're certainly adding value to a lot of people's lives. I know you've got a new book coming out. By the time this episode comes out, if you're listening to this at home, you can pre-order your new book. It's called Everyday Millionaires. And... It's going to show people that, you know what, your average teacher, your average nurse, your average accountant, these are the types of people who are everyday millionaires. It's not some guy in an ivory tower laughing down at the minions. I mean, there are a few of those too, I'm sure, but they're not the everyday millionaires, right? No, it's available. People can, people can get started and help themselves. And we're going to chop down myths in the book. I'm going to talk about the attributes of what millionaires look like. Uh, we're going to talk about the giving that they're able to do. You know, the impact they can have on the world. But again, it's taking some steps, helping people have the plan, and also the research. Uh, we studied over 10,000 of them. And so we're going to really unpack that and help people to see the truth. I just imagine Chris in like a white lab coat and he's got this room, like he's a double-sided mirror and he's looking at a bunch of millionaires. He's got his clipboard going. I'm pretty, that's, pretty, that's how it happened, right? That's exactly how it went down. It was not a little lab coat, though. I'm a big man. Hey man, years of ping pong. <laughs> So uh, everything that we talked about today, podcast Sean will put in the show notes, including links to to Chris's book, also his podcast, which is also called Retired Inspired. And uh, one other thing that's been adding value to our life recently, so we're doing this little three-city tour, and we had this gentleman named Paul, you might know him as Canyon City, open up the show earlier. 
What'd y'all think of that? Yeah. Well, I, th- I tell you what, I, I discovered his albums. Uh, he has a couple albums. I discovered one of them last year, his newest one called Constellation. And it, it came out. I'd like to invite him back up on stage right now. Um, when the album came out, I, I found it. And like, Ryan, you and I were just talking about this backstage, how it's amazing. Like, I just admire him. I think he's one of the best songwriters out there. And, and whenever I listened, I, I turned that album on, it just sounds like home to me in a way that, that is hard for me to explain. And so instead of me trying to explain music to you, how about we have Canyon City play the first song from that album. It's called Our Way. Thank you so much, Josh, and really all three of you. Um, I mean, it just, it's, I don't know about you guys, but I, uh, I lose my way from time to time. Uh, and uh, to be able to, to just hear what these guys have to say and glean some of that wisdom, uh, it really adds so much value to my life. And uh, it's just, a, uh, I feel like I'm getting a steal, getting to follow these guys around and uh, listen to some of these conversations. So. Uh, Thanks to them, thanks to you guys for, uh, for making this such a special night. Uh, so anyways, this is a song all about being mid-journey. And uh, I'm learning that that just kind of means that you're alive, that you're, still, that you're still breathing, you're still here, and to have a little less aversion to it. And uh, my voice is not going to sound uh, nearly as good as Chris's, so just <laughs> lower the bar. <laughs> we'll do our best. Clear out, babe, when the rain clouds show My roots have dried and the wind might blow When the flood comes rise, nothing to hold on to I'll clear out, babe, when the thunder rolls on Look at my face, time's drawing a line I crossed, I lost where the road divides But I think I'm gone where I'm going tonight Oh, I still don't know, but I hope you'll find me Find me there, yeah Maybe if we don't know where we go, where the road lands, or a land that feels like home. Oh, baby, they'll never say that we lost our way. Oh, we lost our way. Digging now, I'm thinking it's time. A stick in the ground for a length in the night You could come to go, but you know where to find me Yeah, digging now, oh, I think I'll try I'll try Maybe if we don't know where we go Where the road lands or a land that feels like home Oh baby, 
they'll never say that we lost our way. Oh, we lost our way. Come taking the crown starts it shaking. Thank God for the breaking too. Cause though I hate how it feels, I love heartache that brings me back to you. Maybe if we don't know where we go, where these leaves land. Or a land that feels like home Oh babe, they'll never say That we lost our way Yeah babe, they can't ever say That we lost our way God, that gives me chills, man. Wow. God, that's good. That's wow. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I go back to Ohio, I just sort of put that album on and, and, and drive around a bit. And there's just something, there's something about the words that I can't describe, and that's why I wanted him to be out here tonight. Paul, thank you so much. Check out Canyon City wherever you check out music. Thank you so much, guys. All right, before we wrap up, let's thank the Mercury Ballroom for having us here tonight. What a great yeah. spot, right? Yeah. Woo! Who knew we could cram this many Kentuckians in, in one place? And we're grateful for that. I'm grateful for this Kentucky, and especially thank you so much for thank uh, you, for thank being you. Here. It's You're been a awesome, pleasure, Chris. guys. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. I'll give you a high five. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, y'all, if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time, y'all. Thanks, Louisville. Thank you. Hello, this is Anna, originally from Spain, but calling from Amsterdam, the Netherlands. So I have a few tips that I would like to share um, that came into my mind once I listened to the podcast on anxiety. And my first two tips are related to breathing techniques. And I have been using this breathing technique called 478 uh, for a few years now. I, it, it is very short and easy to do. It takes less than two minutes. And I tend to do it twice a day right before I go to bed. So I wind down and get ready to have a good night's sleep. And also first thing in the morning when I wake up. So if you type on Google breathing technique 478, you will find plenty of links and resources. There are even some YouTube videos explaining how to do this technique. 
Still, let's say you're not very convinced as why this technique or any breathing technique would help, I would strongly recommend that you check one of the TED Talks uh, videos called Breathe to Heal by Max Strom. And this video definitely pushed me into trying some of these breathing techniques. And in the video, the speaker explains how breathing uh, techniques have helped enormously people with post-traumatic uh, syndromes. Um, another tip that I have uh, has to do with uh, people who struggle managing their priorities, their goals, their daily life, and that get anxiety because things start to pile up. And I recently came across this book called Time Surfing, The Sun Approach to Keeping Time on Your Side, written by Paul Lumens. And this is a Dutch author, but um, the book has been written uh, and translated uh, into English. And I have checked and you can purchase it as well in the US, of course, in Europe, too. And This is a book that I really enjoy because it's, it gives you like a seven step approach on how to handle your time, but instead of trying to control it. And that's why the book is called Time Surfing, just mostly refocus on the aspect of how to navigate difficulties uh, from a Buddhist or Zen approach. And it, it, it really does not in, indoctrinate people into converting into Buddhism or anything like that. It's very, very simple. Uh, and I don't always apply all the steps, but I keep coming back and forth to one of to some of these advices that you can find on the book, and they have also added a lot of value to my life. Hi guys, I'm Christina, and I'm a bit older than those who called in about their relationships with their parents. Here's my advice: you ask if you can forgive them for their imperfections. I hope so, and I hope they forgive you yours. Unless your parents were abusive, they probably loved you and did the best they could. My parents weren't perfect, but I wasn't a perfect daughter either. There were years, I am sure, where I was a pain in the ass, unkind and insensitive to their feelings. Parents have shortcomings, but they also have feelings. Children have shortcomings and feelings. It's an imperfect world, and we're all imperfect. It took me a while to realize that my parents did the best they could. Yours probably did too. My parents were raised in unfortunate circumstances, extreme poverty, alcoholism, other bad things, and yet they were raised in better circumstances than their parents, who grew up in even worse poverty and deprivation in Europe. Everyone does the best they can. Do your parents scorn your lifestyle as a minimalist? Maybe, but you are probably scorning their lifestyle too. My parents were raised during the Great Depression, and they held on to everything. And yes, I got to clear it all out during their later years and after their deaths. It was not fun. In fact, it was agonizing. But that's life. People have their own values and beliefs. My parents had a terror of poverty. And while I might see that saving 100 plastic yogurt containers, expired bottles of aspirin, or worn-out towels will not help avoid poverty, they didn't see it that way. I inherited their frugality, which was a good thing. They didn't believe in debt, and that belief has served me well. And I have let go, after much angst sometimes, of their other beliefs, Beliefs that it's wasteful to ever get rid of anything, that divorce is a sin, that life is fraught with peril and we should be vigilant and fearful at all times. I let go of those, and when they rear their heads, I look at them and let go again. Your parents are just people with their own failings. You learn some good things from them and use those lessons, and the other stuff, work hard to let it go. 
And if you have to clear out their garages and storage lockers after they die, you as a minimalist will be well equipped to do it. Hi, this is Zena calling from the Channel Islands in the UK. I just wanted to give some advice to anyone who might be planning their wedding. I'm currently in the stages of planning ours and as you probably know it can get expensive very quickly. So we're looking at different ways that we can reduce the costs and we were discussing our wedding rings and basically I have some old jewellery that I no longer wear and I was looking at how I could let these go. So an idea that we had was to trade in this old jewellery I no longer wear to reduce the cost of the wedding rings and we managed to reduce it by about £20 by trading in this old jewellery which I know it doesn't sound like a lot in the grand scheme of things but every little helps and it was a really nice way of letting go of some old jewellery and putting the money towards something meaningful towards our future. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear 